0: They're looking at you and they're going to act the way that you act, act how you would want them to act and not set the rules, but just the understanding of that little kid's going to follow you. So whatever you think that is appropriate for that little kid to do, have at it. And I think you really watch that young athlete or that young man act way above and beyond you would ever ask him to. I also think it gives you small victories. So, like, I always say confident players are good players. If you're not confident, they're going to really struggle. Hey, everybody.
1: Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. As always, I'm pumped to have you joining me here today. And for those who are new to the show, make sure you check out the links down in the show notes to visit the website, or you can just type it in yourself, uh, highschoolcoachesclub.com. Uh, When you get there, you can sign up for the free weekly newsletter. Check out all the previous newsletters, also always free. And grab yourself a sticker. Those aren't so free. Uh, And make sure you go back and listen to previous episodes as well. It doesn't matter what order you hear them. Each coach brings a unique set of information that can and will help out your program right away. Today's guest, no different. Thanks again for tuning in, and a huge thank you to Will Miner and the gang over at Netting Pros for sponsoring the High School Coaches Club. If you need any facility improvements, make Netting Pros your first call. Not only will they help you design it, but they'll do it all custom for you. From the fabrication to the installation, they've got you covered for everything netting, digital graphic wall padding, turf, cubbies, turf protectors, windscreen, ball carts, you name it. They crush the baseball and softball world on a daily basis, but they also get after it in football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field, golf courses, and just about any sport around, even sports you make up. They're truly making facilities better all across America, providing high quality products and services for facilities, fields, courses, stadiums throughout this country. Not only at the high school level, but also for recreational collegiate, and professional sports as well. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707, emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website, also nettingpros.com, or by checking them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Netting Pros, they're proving programs one facility at a time. And speaking of improving programs, today I am joined by Greg Himes. He's the head baseball coach for his alma mater, Overbrook High School in Pine Hill, New Jersey. He took over the program in the fall of 2018 and we spent a good amount of our conversation here Focus on what he's done to help modernize the team, be an ambassador, as he calls it, for baseball in the community, and be relentlessly focused on making a difference for everyone he can using baseball as the vehicle. It's it's a truly awesome conversation. I'm so glad to have you here with me. So let's do it. Let's dive in. It's episode 68 with Greg Himes.
0: All right, Greg Himes, thanks for joining me. Hey, what's going on, Max? Thanks for having me on.
1: Uh, excited to have you! Uh, you were you were recommended. There's a handful of people that um, reached out to me about some from various humans, and uh, you were one of those guys. And so reached out to you, and really excited that you responded, and were game to do it. Um, so I kind of did some just light research and, and beyond what you had already kind of showed me and talked to me about. And I found an article from kind of the end of your first year um, at Overbrook. When we'll get into. All that in a minute but um one of the things that you mentioned in that article i don't know if you remember it is that when you took over one of the first things that you kind of purchased for the program that i thought was really interesting uh because i'm
0: a big music guy was a speaker for your program uh yeah so i wanted to make sure they had like a i wanted them to feel cool yeah you know, like uh i wanted them to feel like it's a legitimate setting like they were playing a part of a legitimate program and <clears throat> i wanted to make sure that we could have you know we get out of school really early uh we get out at 154 and a lot of teams can't get to us until mm. probably 3 three fifteen. so we can do on field bp we do on field mass and then by the time we have a full practice before a team gets there then we get into io so i really wanted to make game days special to these guys and i i kind of wanted to just like i wanted to give them something to kind of raise the level of standard in which i think they should compete at and i think the kids usually kind of step up to that level so yeah, just getting a you know it's a it's a Pro Glow fifteen hundred. I don't know. I bought it at Walmart, but it it makes the whole field you know rocks the whole field out, and the kids love it. So it's cool. Yeah, it's awesome. What uh, what's traditionally playing on it? Uh, we have a we have like a long pregame mix that the kids usually you know uh, get on me about every year. Trying to switch it up. It's got you know it's got some younger stuff. It's got some Mac Miller, some Drake. Uh, put some Taken Back Sunday on there from you know when. When we were growing up, R.A.D. is she's she's pretty uh, strict about the music. She just wants to be able to she wants to say that she wants to feel comfortable if someone brings their four year old to the field. So and I think that's fair. So it's got a, it's got a good mix to it. It goes back and forth. Um, the, some of the kids did start getting into like Taking Back Sunday and Motion City Soundtrack and some of those like older like uh, emo punk rock bands from when we were growing up, uh, which was kind of cool.
1: That is cool. Yeah, we we're very big into music too. I think practices and, and obviously pre-game, it makes everything way more kinda like you were saying, like it, it makes it feel more professional or more special. Just kind of takes the environment to the next level and it's always it always makes things better when you have music playing, as weird as that might seem.
0: No, I agree. It kinda like it creates like a sense of uh I think it kind of creates a sense of like urgency or confusion. It's like, oh, music's playing today, like today must be a game day, like or this must be like something Uh, That, you know, something's going on today that we really need to focus because we will I'll play some music sometimes for communication drills. Like if we're doing infield pop ups or Mm -hmm. or if we have a big game coming, sometimes I'll just put like gray noise on that and then just make them communicate over top of it, make them talk through it, Uh, especially if we're kind of going into a hostile crowd sometimes.
1: Yeah, we've actually kind of done that, too. Uh, like when we take infield outfield, like when our guys are taking it, sometimes I'll turn the music up a little bit louder just so that kind of like you're saying, like they have to be that much more communicative and that much louder to kind of talk over it. And when the game starts, obviously, you've already kind of created the the
0: tone for how the game's going to go. I think it helps guys a lot. I agree. I think it kind of like raises the sense of focus, which I think, it you know, with high school kids is like it's very hard, very hard <laughs> yes. to like keep them on track.
1: <laughs> For sure. Uh, so you're obviously at Overbrook High School as a coach now, but I want to I want to go back to your playing days. So can you kind of go back? We, You know, you and I graduated the same year back in 2007. Um, and so you graduated from Overbrook, which is obviously where you're coaching now. So you can kind of go back and talk about maybe what the school was
0: like then and what your experience was athletically. Uh, I had a great experience at Overbrook. And that's one of the reasons why when I bought my first house, I bought it around this area, like in this area, because I, I love the town and, and the high school. But when I was there, we were, we were extremely competitive. Uh, looking back, I think maybe we wasted, uh, we wasted some time on the baseball field. Um, because we had I figure my junior year to, we had, we had two guys get drafted. Uh, we had a big left-handed pitcher, Jim Birmingham, who ended up going to university of Penn, then coastal, and then was, uh, played in the, uh, Phillies organization after he left coastal for a while. Um, and then we had AJ Casario who we, he was a left-handed and catcher who played at Maryland and was like a freshman of the year in the ACC. <laughs> we had uh, Chris Lingham, who was a he was on my staff this year. I was able to bring him back, which was awesome. He's a huge asset. Um, he played at uh, Georgia Southeastern, I think. He played at Rowan Gloucester County, a JUCO near us, and set school records, set World Series records. I mean, he. He's just a really great athlete. I mean, we had some really, really high level talent and we usually finished like around 500. So, I mean, South Jersey can be super competitive, especially in the arms division. So I think that kind of, uh, that kind of, you know, hurt us, but, you know, we had, we had a lot of talent and, uh, yeah, you know, it was cool. And it was throughout most of the sports. I played basketball. I played football. I played baseball. Uh, stopped playing football my junior year. Uh, but yeah, it was my freshman year I think we went to the state title. We had some good athletes coming through the school. The school's fun, it was a good environment. And I think excuse me, I think they're even doing a better job now. Um, you know, with the kids there. We have a really good A D. or she just wants to make sure that the kids are having like the best experience possible. You know, if you win a conference, if you win anything, she's getting jackets. She's making sure they, you know, they get uh they get recognized and other kids want that. So uh it was it was a cool experience going there. I I don't think I would want to go anywhere else.
1: Well, then you obviously came home uh, and you even bought a house in the area. So, you know, you you graduate from Overbrook. You head off and play some college baseball. Um, then you come back home. And then, you know, just looking at uh, the high school-wise, there's kind of a gap, but that gap was very still full of coaching, even though you weren't coaching at the high school level. So you can kind of take us through uh, what that was like between the time you got back from college and the time you took over at Overbrook.
0: Uh, yeah, so my first year... Leaving Rutgers, uh, Camden, a Division three school satellite campus, uh, I was the pitching coach there my first year out, uh, actually as a full paid assistant, which I thought is <laughs> looking back now, it's like, man, you know, you get a full paid spot your first year out of college. I could have really tried to ride that, but
1: <laughs> that doesn't happen often in baseball. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't.
0: <laughs> Especially uh, in the, the NJAC, the New Jersey Athletic Conference. It's such a hard Division three conference uh, there's usually at least three or four teams in the top 25 in the country so like yeah if I wanted to make a push in college I really miss that one but <laughs> uh, I was there for a year and then there was a uh, there was an academy down the street that I did lessons at and stuff like that and they had a travel program and I just started coaching coaching there uh, we had a younger I' had a younger team and I worked with some guys on the older guys and that's kind of when showcasing started coming around. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fortunate enough to like be able to work with some like really good ballplayers, uh, who ones in the Nationals organization now, Donovan Casey, and this was this was a team that I was able to like come in and like just work with the guys. They weren't really my guys coming up, but um, I still kind of keep in touch with them now. Is like Donovan Casey, who's with the Nationals. He he was a part of that Trey Turner, uh, Scherzer deal. Hmm. Sean Semple, who's with the Yankees now, uh, and then I coach travel ball that academy had closed i opened my own at about 23 24 and i mm-hmm. took that program in there uh ended up selling that in about a year and a half two years and i kept just one team i, I had a team uh that when there were about nine i took them and you know at the time i thought i want to see how many division one ball players i can make because i thought you yeah, know that's the goal of every coach <laughs> and then I started realizing the kids were like tucking their shirts in to go to school and they were like everything that I was making them do at practice they would do it outside of practice and I was like wow I should really probably focus a lot less on baseball and a little bit more on you know uh, academics or something that like can really help these kids so like 10 and 11 they had like they had a, like a mandatory reading one book a month over 100 pages and you know they just had a, you know, I would ask them questions about the book and stuff like that but it kind of was able to build a relationship with those guys. And I took those guys up until they were sixteen, seventeen, uh with the program that you know we ended up building now. And we when we left, we took that one team. When I had left, that one team was like, We just want to stay with you. So I stayed with them and we coached them up. We uh Caleb Willis ended up going to Lafayette, Tyler Lenders at Iona, uh Nick Tamburo is at Monmouth uh matt speakman's at mcdaniels i mean we're able to get some kids kids to college but most importantly not a single kid on that team had under a 3.6 gpa when they graduated high school which i was super proud about Hmm. um then we that team as they turned 16 17 i had a, a buddy of mine who was looking to open an academy in a building and he was like dude what do you think and i was like i think it's a good idea you know he got it for you know What do you need to get it at? And we outfitted the place. It's called a game day athletics right here in Belmar, New Jersey. And once getting the high school program and him opening that, we've been able to, you know, he lets my, if it rains, my AD will get me a bus up there. That's awesome. Oh, dude. 12,000 square foot of turf, cages, mounds, instead of a gym, give it to me all day long. (laughs) No kidding. Um, So now we have a program. They're called the Jersey Nukes um we have nine or ten teams in that program now and I guess I would say I'm like the the baseball guy for the program but we have high school coaches from like all over the area and some younger guys who are trying to get into coaching and some of those older guys who are coming back now to kind of give back and we're a nonprofit corporation um we just filed for 501c3 standing uh and I want to make sure that I have like a travel program that kids in any district, like we're a title one district at Overbrook. So I know sometimes like money is a real issue for, for parents in our area to play like travel sports. And I just want to make sure that like, we can be a program that someone could have could reach out to, and we could be an asset to anyone so that, you know, kids have a chance to develop and play and kind of be around the game and maybe stay out of a little bit of trouble.
1: That kind of goes against what the, like when people think in their minds of like, travel teams or or academy baseball or something like that That kind of not a lot of people i don't think are thinking in their minds of a nonprofit or a place where they're trying like you're talking about going out of their way trying to give opportunities to kids
0: that maybe otherwise wouldn't be able to afford it i just when you look at the best way to explain it is i was at a game the other day and um one of the kids on our 18 new team were at villanova for an uncommitted showcase And his little brother standing outside the fence looking at the field with eyes so big. And I was like, why aren't you in here? And he was like, what do you mean? I'm like, do you want to go in the dugout? And he was like, yeah. And he comes like, I don't even think he opened the gate. He like ran through it. And, you know, it's just this little nine-year-old kid who now his whole life is made. And it's like, that to me is what baseball is about. Yeah those opportunities i want to be able to give to whoever and especially in my sending district these are the kids that like my kids grow up with that i know their families and i just don't i don't understand why they wouldn't have an opportunity to be able to get coached or to do the things that they have to do and you know if someone's going to be the outlet i guess i if i want to make the change then i have to be the guy that makes the outlet for them and you know i'm proud of it my kids love it um We work really close with the youth association in town now. It's been a good project since I took over at Overbrook. That's probably what I'm most proud of um, in my time there. That's been a really fun trip. So it's, yeah, I've been coaching. I mean, you know, we did the trips all up and down the East Coast, the Worldwood Bats, all that stuff. So it's been a fun ride. I've met some really awesome people.
1: So what led you then to kind of go from that world to then also dive back in and? become a high school coach at your alma mater like what was that was there like something that clicked for you was there some opportunity that happened like what was the circumstances that brought you back to
0: overbrook high school (laughs) that's because i got a bad temper so uh, (laughs) i was okay. my (laughs) my, my nephew i'll set the scene my nephew's freshman year i go up to watch a game and uh Coach of the time is one of the greatest guys I've ever met in my life. He was my high school basketball coach. He was my coach my senior year. One of my favorite people ever. Um, But it just, things just weren't clicking. And I'm watching this game and ball goes up to right. And it lands at the right fielder's feet. And I, I look back to the JV game. And the center fielder takes a great route, drop steps, set up behind the baseball, catches the baseball, works in on it, throws, the, throws a strike to the cutoff guy. And I'm like, why is he there and him there? And then I watch the third baseman make an error. I'm like, why is he there? And I'm looking around, and the kids just had no fire, no nothing. And I'm watching mm-hmm. my nephew. I, I coached him in the summer. Um, and, you know, we had grown up, you know, working out together, stuff like that. And he really loved the game, and he liked to have fun with it. Um, and I was like, this is awful. Like, this is just a bad product. Like I was like, I was angry. I literally, when I left the field that day, I called the AD and I was like, are you looking for a baseball coach? Because I, <laughs> I honestly didn't plan on going back to high school. Uh, it was kind of always my dream to coach at, at Overbrook just cause I love the school so much. Um, but I really didn't plan on going back and, and having my own program and I was just like, Mm, this can't happen anymore. Like I, I was just mad about it. And, <clears throat> you know, there there was a falling out at the end of the season. The job ended up getting posted and talked to my wife and we just kind of went for it in the AD. I was lucky enough that the AD brought me in uh, because I'm not a teacher in the building. So that, that lit the fuel to the fire.
1: You mentioned in that same article that I talked about earlier with the pregame music that when you, you know, you came into the program and tried to – Uh, maybe modernize it is the right word maybe Um, you know the the speaker obviously but then it also you talked about how you redesigned the hat you brought in new uniforms you brought in new gear and you also mentioned in that same article that at the time it was in the fall so you had players that were you know at football at the time so maybe they weren't at the original meetings with you or anything like that Um, obviously probably a feeling of whether or not it would work Um, how was How is your incoming into the program received by like
0: the players, the families, the parents, the AD, all that sort of stuff? It couldn't have gone any better. (laughs) Um, And I I think it's because I've been so involved in the town for so long. Uh, We come from like a really small town and a lot of the kids on that team, my nephew had played with growing up and they kind of knew who I was. I helped them out. Uh, I coached against them. I, you know, ran my, my brother who coached their team growing up, I would work out with them. So they, they, they liked, I think they liked me a little bit and they, I think I just brought a little bit of legitimacy to the program where maybe they felt like Mm -hmm. they just were, it was always like, ah, you're just overbrook with a teacher. Who's a coach from, you know, 40 years and we have crappy hats and, you know, whatever uniforms that we roll out with. And I, I wanted to kind, I just wanted to make it like a cool experience for them. So, you know, uniform wise, the AD, I went to the AD and again, AD is awesome. She has done anything to help me and always will. Um, The AD had let me know that she bought uniforms two years prior and that she buys them every four years, which is fair. And we, uh, we, you know, we have a a family powder coating company at the time. And I was like, all right, well, we're going to make a donation. I'm going to buy the uniforms because they, they just stink. They're just, they're ugly. Um, (laughs) And she, you know, her, she was, you know, obviously blown away, gracious by it. And then we upgraded the hats, which when she found out she was, you know, paying for like a new error, custom fitted she was like wow <laughs> because she was paying for like 14 dollars a hat for the ones before and I was like I'm not wearing those
1: yeah you're not getting 14 dollar new air hats <laughs>
0: <Right>. so, <laughs> I just wanted the kids to think like all right listen I'm not asking anything of you yet and this is the way that I want the program to go because it's a reflection of me right your program is a reflection of you as a coach and how you care and how you carry yourself and I wanted to set the principle that I'm going to give you something from the gate and I'm not asking you for anything in return, but if you're going to show up, I'm just going to ask you to follow my lead. And it really, really worked. The kids, again, we come from a total one school district. Um, It doesn't have as low social economic standing as like, sometimes it gets made out to be on paper, but there's a lot of split homes. There's a lot of inconsistency in these kids' lives. And uh, I wanted to be a consistent factor to them. And I think that that Being that consistent factor to them really led to them just diving all into what we had going on. Um, Easter Day, the kid that you're talking about, uh, great athlete, best athlete on the team that year. Um, He and a few of the guys the year before, they'd like hang in their car, walk up to practice a couple minutes late. Like it just was kind of a bad vibe when it came to like practice and all that. And I just let them know from the jump, like, I don't care who's here. I don't care what it is. I will play the guys who are here to put in the work, win, lose, or draw. And there was a little, just a little bit more of a serious atmosphere to it. And I, I also like ask the kids, like, what do you want out of your high school career? And I don't, I don't know how many coaches do that. Like, do you want to go play in college? Do you want to play in big games? Do you want newspaper articles? Do you want to look good while you're out there? Do You just want to have fun. Like, what is it that we're working towards? And they all agreed. They were like, we want big games. We want to be in the paper. We want to be one of the teams that, okay, we might not be a perennial powerhouse around here, but we're going to be a tough game for everyone. We're always going to be a perennial tough game. And that's, that's kind of what we're trying to make the program. And I think maybe we have at this point, um, we had a really tough schedule this year, which was my fault, but you know, it was great. (laughs) We lost, you know, we lost a couple guys, but two everyday guys, uh, but the the beginning was was awesome. I had no problem with parents, no problem with families um the town the youth association got right behind me right away and then you know we went from <clears throat> a team who had like a, you know a good amount of players walk off the year before to we're getting a hundred hundred and fifty people at every game, and it was consistent and the kids like started noticing the fans were coming every day and and they they fed off of that and you know, we were up, we were down, we lacked some focus sometimes. And, you know, these kids, they got really tough and uh, they had a lot of fun with it. And I think the fans really enjoyed watching them. So overall, I would say that when I came in, I had, I felt like I had no issues and I've had nothing but great support since.
1: Uh, it's really special, I think, for kids and and their parents to see too, like a lot of high school just athletic events period, but baseball can be especially this way. Um, A lot of times it ends up just being the parents and grandparents that come to games, right. For either team. So you have a lot of times really small crowds. So anytime as a player, I even remember, you know, back to my high school days, if there were big games or things like that, and all of a sudden there's like students are there and your friends are there and uh, girls are there and you've got like people from the community there and former players coming and it just creates an environment that, like legitimizes all the work that you're putting into it because all of a sudden all these people are coming out and they're coming out for you and like to support you and it kind of creates this whole kind of town or or school environment that's that's supportive of your program and it's really cool as an athlete as a player to kind of see that and it's exciting that you
0: guys are getting opportunity to kind of see that as well uh i couldn't agree with you anymore when you have we uh my ad made a joke because i have a lot of former players from you know the the one dad who tweeted at you um papa yeah. dags his son plays for a different high school he actually plays for my travel program and really yeah yeah and like that's awesome i didn't know that we have guys like i'll have guys from my travel program that'll be like catch i'm struggling right now like mid high school season and i'll be like mm-hmm. i can meet you saturday morning before my practice and the next is like almost our whole 17U team is, you know, at our outside cage at Overbrook before my high school guys even show up because they're like, let's hit. But yeah, so it's it's not just in our town. You know, I have kids who I've and families that I've had relationships with, and I've been lucky to have these relationships um, with so many great people all over the place, and, like, they'll come to our games. Like, my AD makes a joke that, like, uh, the coach has, like, a, a fan base because we have just people, you know, they're bored, and they're like, oh, Coach Greg has a big game today. Let's go say them. And uh, that first year, we beat, we went to Hamilton, which was their uh, group three school, but they were this year, this year they were in the top 10 in the state, not even South Jersey. And we were a team that we were an afterthought, you know, in my first year to begin with. And we walked out of there with a 6 3 win at their home on their field in their tournament. And I think after that game, everyone was like, oh crap, like they beat them. And, I mean, we, we just played the game right. No, We played, you know, we won the free base game. We got bunts down. We got hits with two outs. We did what we needed to do. And, you know, we won. And it was, it was nice. And It was nice to see those kids leave there with, like, a sense of accomplishment. But the next game at home, we – the town packed the our field. And you could see it in the guys on the field. They were nervous. They, they, were, they were scared a little bit. Yeah. Uh, our center fielder, Justin Pizzo, who he was able to extend his career, plays at Penn State Avington. At one point, he came off the field. He's like, do you see all these people here? I'm like, no, I don't, buddy. Like, worry about the game in between the lines. And I was like, why? What's wrong? And he was like, usually it's my grandma and my mom. I was like, I get it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, I asked you guys in the beginning of the year, do you want a crowd? Do you want these type of games? I was like, you're in this like you guys earned this. So to your point, I I agree. Like when you earn that, and then you get to have that, and then now, now we have people coming, you know, to regular season, even if they're not big games. People are driving by; they're like, "Oh, let's stop. Let's see what's going on." You know, we'll catch a couple innings. Um, and it's nice because we do have. I love my field. We have a beautiful field, so it's a nice, nice place, nice venue to watch a game at.
1: We also mentioned uh, a few minutes ago that one of the questions you ask players is something that it it's taken me a while to start asking. I finally started doing it this year because I think the assumption for me was always kind of in the back of my head, like, well, they're playing high school baseball, so they must want to play college baseball. And the question that you're asking kids, like, what do you want out of your high school career, is such a good question uh, to ask every kid in the program because. The answers are going to be really different than what I think a lot of us might think in our heads. Like, there'll be some similarities, of course, but for some kids, like you said, like some kids are, they just want to have fun. Like, they want to have an enjoyable time. And so that leads me back to like, you're, you redesigned the hat, you brought new uniforms, you got new gear, you got a speaker, like you're making it fun. So, like, it gives you an opportunity to hit on every kid. Like, you've got the guy who's just there to have fun with his friends. Cool. Got that. You want to go play college baseball? cool. We can get that too. And then you've got like the umbrella goal for everybody talking about, you know, we want to win big games and things like that. And so that question is so, it's like such a money question. And I, I'm happy for you that you found that question early on. Cause it took me a while to finally find it.
0: It's a, it's a tough, it, it was tough to find. I, you know, when I noticed it, my, um, my niece was talking about, she was getting ready to play high school softball and she's mm-hmm. a very high academic student. Um, and we were talking, she's, she's but she's a very good athlete. She's a good catcher. She can really swing it. And I think she has the ability to probably swing it maybe a Division One level. And I was like, all right, so like, what's our goals? She was like, I don't know. I said, well, what do you want to, like, where do you plan? Like, what do you think about college-wise, goals-wise? She was like, I don't think I want to play in college. And I was kind of <laughs> taken back by it. Right. And I was like, okay, Why? Like you have all this great ability, like holy. And she was like, "I think I want to go pre med." And I was like, "Okay." So we set some high school goals for her. You know, hundred hits. Start as a freshman. Four years as a varsity letter winner. um, You know, five game winning hits in her career. Things like that. And I was like, "Man, not everyone is here chasing the same goal that I did." Uh, Or, or maybe some of them, but. We all have goals, and we're all going to work to each other's goals, and we're going to respect each other's goals. That's one thing we did. We do a lot of, and I took this from Chris Lingham, who is uh, who got on our staff this year. He runs Impact Fitness; it's like a strength and conditioning gym, and he was a former player. He grew up right down the street from me. He's a stellar athlete, um, and I, you know he he's a professional coach. So I, you know, I was, we were kind of floundering in the middle of the season. And i was we were, we were finding some trouble footing wise and it was my fault per uh you know I'll take the blame on it i was I was chasing a lot of wins you know we had a we had a really hard schedule we had you know uh we went ten and twelve this year it's my first year going under five hundred uh but six of our losses came to teams who either won the state final or played in the state final <laughs> at all levels group one two three and four like I played both of the South Jersey group four teams who played in the final against each other. Um, and we sat there and he was like, maybe you guys should share some, he was like, we share stories when we have, like when we we're looking for motivation. So I, uh, I love the idea. So I, I bought a hoagie tray. Uh, they had a half day and we had a game at four o'clock and we just came off of a really ugly loss. Um, and we sat down and I just went around the room. I'm like, why do you play baseball? And at first it was like the normal, Yeah, you know, I want to, I play baseball cause I love the game, whatever. And then the first kid finally stepped up and he got a little emotional about it. He was like, it's the first time my dad, last year trying out. And we have a lot of guys who it's their first year of the play. And he was like, it's the only time my dad ever said he was proud of. Me. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh crap. Like, all right, it here we go. Deeper
1: the coach. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then another kid's like, it's, it's something that me and my grandma have done forever. And it it means the world to me. And I want to make sure that I'm, you know, doing whatever I can to make sure that we have that time together as long as we can. And I really play for her. And like, it got really emotional, but not a single kid said, I'm here to just flat out win. And we, we took note of that. I was like, you're here for all of these reasons and you respect each other's reasons. So when you're not, when you don't feel like trying for whatever motivates you, remember these five guys have different motivations and maybe you got to work for them. And it created a pretty healthy environment and we kind of got out of that slide and and it just led to better practices a little bit more, you know, pep in our step. Um, And it it was nice. And I think that's something that I want to make sure that we realize every year, you know, why we're doing things that we're doing and why other people are doing things we're doing because, you know, We have respect for each other as a team.
1: It probably helps frame, like uh, I'm just thinking, like as a coach for me. Then you know, you've got the kid who openly says that he's doing it because it, you know, it's the only time his dad ever said he's proud of him or something like that, or for his grandma. That then changes for you as a coach, like what motivates that kid, right? So instead of like you said, you maybe got too deep into chasing wins. All of a sudden, the the conversation is still it's still about winning or whatever, but, but it's not now. So you can, you can go out and motivate this kid from the stance of making his dad proud or, or connecting back to his grandma. And and maybe, you know, don't take this pitch off because she wouldn't want that. But it just kind of changes the way that the conversations can go and the motivation can go when you start to understand how like each kid is separately motivated by the same game and the same outcome, but it's just
0: different on an individual basis. Completely agree. I also think it gives you small victories. So like, I always say confident, confident players are good players. If you're not confident, they're going to really struggle, especially in baseball. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen it a hundred times. Yeah. Um, so celebrating failures or celebrate, like celebrating successful failures is something that I, we really try and do it in, in our game. Um, you know, three pitches after two strikes, any HBP, you know, any, you know, in the quab world, any quab, you um, any type of like, you know, good team move, any type of leaving our feet, any type of hustle, like celebrating something like, okay, maybe we didn't succeed at it, but it's like, we're still staying upbeat. We're still staying positive. And you know, that kid, it was nice because I got to go back to him as a coach and I was like, dude, your dad's always proud of you. Don't like, right. Don't think that. But it was in the same respect, it maybe backed me off. And that's why I was saying, I, I think that negative that we had going on, I'm going to take a hundred percent of the blame for it because that's a win to me, right? We, and I'm sure you're the same way. You get into coaching because you want to be the change that you want to see. And at least that's why I got into it. And that's why we mm-hmm. work with the youth association so much. Like I wanted to be the change that I wanted to see. And I, and I wanted to take responsibility for that. And we run a really public program at Overbrook. Like we have, I think there was like eight kids on the team this year that didn't know the rules of baseball, um, on JV, And, you know, I gave the one kid a jersey. He was like, my mom's going to be so proud of me. And I was like, cool, she should be. And they show up to practice every day. And they got a little bit better. And, you know, we let them know their role early on. And we talk to them about what we're trying to progress on and those things. And they're just happy to be around. They really are. And if it keeps them out of trouble and it keeps them, you know, a place to go every day and it gets them new friends, then here's a jersey, dude. Like, it's okay. I don't. And I I think I needed to understand that maybe we were still winning, even though we were taking a couple L's through the middle of the year.
1: You mentioned also just a second ago, the, the youth association. So I want to get into that too, because obviously there's, I mean, there's tons of things that kids can do nowadays, way more than was available even when we were kids, you know, 15, 20 years ago, like the world's just different now. So there's so many things kids can do. And so, you know, baseball and a lot of other sports too are somewhat hurting in that respect, just in terms of if I'm a kid, I can go do anything I want. Basically, I've got so many options. Um, So you had mentioned to me kind of off air that when over the last few years, your youth organization, the local association there has grown like quadrupled almost like from 86 kids to to (laughs) getting close to 300 now. Right. What's that process been like? Like, how did you grow that? Because I think that's a huge thing for, Like high school coaches can do, I say it a lot to people who ask, like, how do you get a good high school? Well, the best way to get a good high school baseball program is to have really good freshmen walk in the door. So the more baseball players you have walking in, (laughs) the better you're going to be. So, um, but even just from like you said, just an acceptance, just being part of something, making friends, all that stuff is is great stuff. Even if kids don't end up playing high school baseball, so can you get into that? Like, how did you personally get involved and help kind of grow that thing? to those balloon type numbers that you're seeing now
0: so the it's the same youth association that i played in growing up uh the fields are overbrook is like half a block to my left the fields are two blocks to my right um we my daughter was four uh she was ready to start playing t-ball so i just you know the same same people who run the youth association now um are still dramatically involved in it. And I just, you know, called, you know, Miss Stover and I was like, Hey, Miss Stover, signing Ken's up for T-ball. I'd love to coach. And she was like, Oh, can't wait to have you back. Uh, And I kind of like, we ran some free clinics and stuff like that with my travel program previously um, for the town because, you know, the the program was struggling so much. And like you said, any, any great high school coach has a good feeder program. which is another reason that we have you know the nukes you know hopefully my the better players from our sending district can play younger in a in a travel program maybe that you know they can afford and we can really develop some athletes before they get to me but the whole goal of the youth association was i really wanted my daughters to have the same experience i did growing up you know i got to ride my bike up to the fields at 10 you know my parents would be home. my dad would give me five bucks i'd ride up to the field and Me and my buddies would play, run the bases, tennis, baseball, suey. We'd take the trash out so we could get a free hot dog from the snack stand. Uh, (laughs) And it was – you just knew everyone in that. Like, it's like small-town America. And I really, really, really benefited, I think, from growing up that way. And I wanted my daughters to experience that. And we just got really deep. We started coaching Um, uh, T-ball. My daughter's uncle, John. He, uh, he helped me too. And I was like, dude, I would love to see this come back to where it was when we were growing up. And obviously, town ball or rec ball, you're really not going to get to where maybe we did when we were younger, because that was our only option. And we just really tried to do a good job at T-ball. And then I, opening day, I had the boys walk, you know, led the parade, and they mingled with the kids, and they would come up to T-ball games, uh, just so that like, the kids could see the boys in front of them and maybe be excited to be that guy one day. Um, And then we, as, as the girls got older, um, well, as my one daughter got older now, she's getting into softball. So I kind of coach more softball than baseball, but I still coach T-ball because my youngest is there now. And I just really pressured the heck out of a lot of people who moved back to town that I grew up with. And I'm like, yo, you played for four years, get out here and coach T-ball. Like, let's go, dude. Like, do the things that our parents did and, you know, whatever. And more people are getting involved. I think it helps that, you know, our program at the upper level is doing a better job. Um, So people do get a little bit excited about it because, you know, if there's no good ending, I think people are going to go somewhere where they feel like they're getting better coaching. But if we're doing a good job at the high school and we're involved down here, they're going to feel like their kids are getting good coaching, you know, at the at the youth level. Um. And that's kind of, I think, how we've grown it. And as my reputation, some of you know, as the high school's reputation has grown, we've seen more people come back, and even from like other town, ta- other small towns around us, they've kind of come to our town to to play a little bit because you know they feel like they're getting something out of that wreck ball. And yeah, I think this year was two hundred and sixty-five. My daughter's team. We haven't had a we haven't had interleague play, and in I couldn't tell you how long. Um but, from the seven and eight year olds we were we had forty eight kids at that age this year. We were able to have four teams and play interleague, which to me is huge uh, yeah in a town where the population is probably i think we're like ten thousand, so we're a small town um so it was just a constant grind, you know, just promoting and having some pride in what we were doing and just hoping eventually more people would respect it and come out and I think, like anything else in baseball, if you have if you have the stick to continue something that you're doing, people, you know, they respect it, and they, I think, they kind of feel the energy. So it's been, it's been awesome. Uh, that has been, yeah. You know, there's 180 kids who are going to play a sport now that would be sitting at home, and to me, that is just incredible.
1: It's a I mean, it's a huge win even if they like if, even if they don't end up playing in high school like that's a huge win like you've got kids at least being a little bit involved in baseball and I just think like long term obviously really good short term making friends like being part of something being part of community maybe in the future they give back to the the rec league who knows but and then you know long term like maybe you're helping create some baseball fans who will enjoy watching baseball and maybe they'll then they'll want their kids to play and it just kind of keeps repeating itself. And getting bigger and better even if they may not impact anything on like a high school baseball field like that's okay too
0: for sure i always uh me and my wife always talk about it because my wife she's like a huge sports nut um we always we always say that like a goal of a coach is to be a great ambassador for the game that they're coaching hmm. like when we lead, like whatever time whenever we're on the field or around the field i feel like it's our job to make sure people enjoy the game maybe in a different way than they enjoyed it before because we were able to open their eyes to it. Like even my daughters, the I my eight-year-old is so obsessed with softball right now. It drives me nuts. I can't sit on the couch. I got to catch so many bullpens in the front yard because she wants to learn how to pitch. <laughs> and it's because when she played T-ball, she always got to go to the playground. We always bought something from the snack stand because I just wanted her to want to go back. And then now she got to play. We had a... We play in like a a small league around here. We played like a home playoff game for the first time. I don't think our towns hosted a home playoff game besides the high school. I couldn't tell you how long. And we lost 13 to 12. We packed the place. I brought the speaker up. I did all the stuff that I would do for the high school boys. (laughs) And uh, these girls, they had the best time. They had the best time. And it was a cool feel. People were up there. People, you know, people who used to help out with the youth association even came up with their grandkids who are two, three, you know, four. Maybe, maybe they're going to put them in t-ball now. Um, but it was a big game, and I like. I think experiencing that big game really drives drives athletes. And it, it's been it's been a pleasure. It's something that I'm really proud of. Uh, I'm I'm happy for my kids; they get to experience it. And I'm happy for the, the rest of the kids in town because it's nice for them.
1: So I'm hearing, Greg, like obviously head baseball coach at high school, um, obviously involved big time in travel baseball uh, and coaching kids from all over the place. Um, and then you've got on top of that, obviously kind of trying to be an ambassador and helping out with the rec league. Um, but then you're also married and you've got three little girls. So my head immediately goes to like, where does the dude find the time? So, how do you like how do you go about balancing all these different aspects of your life while still making sure like you're being a a present, like awesome husband? And then obviously a a dad who can go catch (laughs) a million pitches in the front yard because softball players apparently their arms never tire out from throwing underhand.
0: They really don't. Um, (laughs) I have to say, first and foremost, it's probably because I have a rock star of a wife, which when I took the Overbrook job, uh, she just started nursing school hmm. because she had a social work degree and couldn't find a job. So she wanted to go back to nursing school because she wanted our daughters to see her work. That was a big point of pride for her. Um, so we were, we would just, I don't uh, know, we just figure it out. I mean, we have uh, my whole family lives in town almost on the same street. Um, her family's very close. And a lot, our girls spend a lot of time in the dugout. And, you know, my wife's very good at just making sure that we can figure it out. You know, I can tell you there's been at least 20 times I've coached third base with a baby stroller on the other side of the fence that I was rocking to put a baby down for a nap um, at the travel level. And the girls hang out in the dugout. They come up to the field. They, they come to practices when my wife has to go to work. You know, we, we try and just do our best, but the girls love it, I think, as much as we do. And I think that that has been some time that we get to spend together that I, I was afraid we were going to miss out on. Um, we just had our third daughter. She was 11 months old, and we had a realistic talk about maybe I'd have to step away from the high school because, like you said, you know, where do, where's, where is the time for any of this while trying to raise a family, make sure they pass, you know you know, get get their education, do all the things they need to do. And I asked the girls, I said, would you want dad not to coach up there so that I could always be at your games so that we could always have more time together? And they, their answer was flat out. No. Yeah. They, they like it too much up there coming up to the games, you know, coming up to practices, all the boys. Um, so they were like, no, no, you're going to coach. And I was like, okay. Uh, the, the five-year-old are now six. She had a little bit of an ulterior motive. She, uh, she likes riding around on the trainer's cart. Oh yeah. Yes. For sure. <laughs> so she was like, if you quit, I can't yeah. ride around with Mr. T dad. And I was like, okay. honey."
1: That's, that's hilarious. My, I have a son. He, he turns three here by the time this airs, he'll probably have just turned three, and uh it's hilarious he he's at the age where he thinks anything i do is fun (laughs) uh doesn't matter what it is and so like we'll go it's it's summer ball right now and we're recording this and so we'll have games you know in the afternoon and in the mornings i'll be like you want to go to the baseball field and he's like yeah yeah baseball field ride the mower and he'll do anything he he just wants to go to the baseball field and ride on the tractor right and he he doesn't care what we're doing he's just like yeah dude i'm there for it um we also have an assistant coach who has a son who. also plays in our youth league, but he, um, is a, he's like eight or nine and he, he was our bat boy this year. And one of the really cool things, I think, like you mentioned, your daughters are there a lot. Um, and it obviously impacts the, the girls and and my kid and his kid as well. But I think there's something that it also does for like high school boys, um, to have little kids around. And do you kind of see that, like do you see that benefiting uh, your high school players? I always any sort of: I always say that,
0: that when you hold those kids and say, "Hey, they're looking at you, and they're going to act the way that you act, act how you would want them to act and not set the rules, but just the understanding of that little kid's going to follow you, so whatever you think that is pr- appropriate for that little kid to do, have at it. And I think you really watch that young athlete or that young man act way above and beyond you would ever ask him to. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's nice because you know where they're at internally, like where their set of standards are. So yes, a thousand percent agree with you. Um, Even in our travel program, we have the younger guys. If they come in, like if you're part of our travel program, you have like a membership to the academy. You can come and go as you please. And if there's a younger guy in there, the older guys grab him, come hit with us. You know, and that it makes them become an ambassador to the game, mature a little bit. And I, I agree. I think it's awesome. Uh And we had a, uh, we host, our school is like a really nice auditorium. So they rented out the dance competitions on the weekend. We had a night game. We were traveling. So we went to the field uh, to do BP before to do on field BP before we traveled. Got the music going. Guys are flying around all over the place. We kind of have an extended roster because it's a varsity only game. And uh, there's this young kid who he was stuck at his sister's dance competition all day. It's four o'clock. The kid is probably going nuts. He sees us out <laughs> on the field. Here's the music blast, and so next thing you know, he's sitting on the bottom bleacher, just taking it all in. And he's you know, he's taking pictures, taking video, and I'm standing at shortstop and uh one of the guys is like, catch, what's he doing? I was like, he thinks you guys are cool. Like, he thinks you guys look awesome. And they were like, Oh. I said, So do me a favor, be awesome. Like, don't <laughs> <laughs> and I went over uh to introduce myself, because again, to me it's about being a good ambassador to the game. Uh the young man's name is like Sean Murdsky. She- Brought him on the field. You know, he gave me one of the best handshakes I've ever had from a 12-year-old. Uh he's from like Bucks County, PA, so like an hour and a half away. Uh guys all kind of dabbed him up. He hit BP with this. Uh, you know, and they they made him feel a part of the team for the day. Like a week later, he emails me, found my email, emailed me the video of the boys, you know, pictures he took, and I let him know, like, hey, have your mom send me your address. I'm gonna send you out a hat and a shirt. And here. <laughs> His mom emails me. He's been getting picked on at school. Uh, he's had like a really tough stretch. Seventh grade's been hard for him. He's been getting—I don't want to—I don't want to say bullied uh, because I think middle school is just an ugly time for everyone. Um, yeah. But he really gonna, was not yeah. in a good headspace, and that like changed the whole back half of the year for him. And I—it was nice to show the boys, like, hey, you didn't realize what you were doing, but look at what you changed. That kids like he changes life. And that's something that we rally around. And those guys, they, they listen to it. They see it. I mean, I think maybe I make a bigger emphasis on it because I'm older and I think, you know, maybe we realize that's what means the most, but just to your point, you know, they had the option to either act like dopes or, you know, do a good thing. And they, you know, they dabbed the kid up, asked him what his name was, asked him what position he played, and kind of let him hang out with him. You know, we he's hanging out, leaning on the turtle ring, you know, during BP with the music blazing in his ear. And, you know, a couple balls are leaving the yard, and he's looking at these guys like superheroes. And I think it was just good for everyone. It was, it was a nice experience. And when I got that email from his mom. I texted the screenshot of it to my wife. I was like, is it weird that I'm crying right now? Because, holy crap, I feel bad for this kid.
1: Well, and, and for that kid, they might as well have been, like, major leaguers. Like, he might as well have been on a major league field, right. you know, standing on a major league turtle watching those guys
0: take BP. Like, that's probably the kind of feeling it was for him. Right, and that's what I was trying to explain to the guys. Like, he thinks you guys are really cool right now, so, like, be cool. And um intro... <laughs> Act
1: cool for just a second.
0: <laughs> yeah, just... We, uh, we still email, actually. He emailed me last night. He had a walk-off win in his Connie Mack game. Awesome. Yeah, so... That's really cool stuff. It's a, it's a good environment. I'm, I'm proud of what, what the guys have done at our school. They're, they've taken into everything that I've asked them to, and they hold each other to a standard. Like I, I wait at the locker room every day and shake everyone's hand and ask them how their day was. If you come in from the other side, you'll hear the upperclassmen tell the underclassmen, you need to go shake coach's hand. And when we leave practice, everyone dabs each other up. All right, see you. Thanks. Boom, 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 boom. Just a quick thank you. Just like a quick, hey, have a good day. And it, I feel like it brings them like upper level guys, you know, cause we had a guy on our staff this year. He's like 88 to 90. Well, he's dabbing up a kid who can barely throw a baseball. He's like, Hey man, have fun today. And it's like, Holy crap. He talked. It.
1: <laughs> that's awesome.
0: That's so cool. It's like, I mean, you guys are obviously impacting
1: the town, which I think is like, you know, stepping away from what actually happens on a baseball field. Like when you kind of walk away from it and you know that you're having an impact on the town, like that's a big deal. Um, and you you've mentioned a few times, like it's a smaller town or smaller school. Um, so one of the, and you've mentioned a couple of times already. And I wanted to ask you this question specifically, because I know a lot of guys, even where I am, it's, it's hard to find good coaches, like good assistant coaches are becoming increasingly difficult to find. And I'm in a huge place. Like I, I'm in the capital of Oregon. Like I've, we've got millions of people here. So smaller group, smaller town, like what have you done to try to find good people uh, to add to your coaching staff?
0: I've tried to make sure whoever comes on my staff, I put them somewhere better after they're on my staff, if that makes sense. So when I originally started, our JV coach, his name's Dan Reese. He played at Rutgers Camden. Uh, I grew up with his brother. He, he should be a varsity coach somewhere, um, for sure. Uh, he he does a great job and I could not have asked a better person to kind of build a program with. And that was just knowing people. So I try and originally it's just kind of like, Hey, I know these guys, I know those guys, Um, you know, pulling on those relationships, but you know, guys that I've gotten as volunteers, you know, I use them on our travel team and then, you know, make sure they have a paid spot there. And then, You know, I'll get a volley and then hopefully next year I can place that volley at a different high school to maybe get him a paid spot. Then I've been using that to be like, hey, if you're going to come here and volley, like I'm going to try and do my best to work for you as well and make sure I put you in a better position. So I feel like just trying to help promote guys' careers while we try and promote, you know, players' uh, careers. And like Chris. Yeah, that's a big deal. Chris was is it kind of a different situation. He played it over Brooke. Um, he has his own business. So I was like, hey man, you're an athlete, like, you're a strength and conditioning coach. I really need that aspect of my game. Uh, just having someone who's focused on it. And, you know, we played here together. Like, you know what could be done here. And he he just he was all in on it. So he's been he was a guy that I kind of just pulled on like his community feel. Uh but, yeah, I try, and, I try and get whoever comes in and kind of takes one on the chin for me. I try and make sure that I'm getting them maybe to a better spot after and not hold it against them for leaving. Like, uh, Tyler Colucci as a kid, he's just like – he's a good – he's like one of the best assistant coaches. Like, if you're doing Game Changer, Tyler's got two extra battery packs in his pocket in case something goes wrong uh you know what i mean like he's got 10 extra lineup cards for you when you turn around in case you need it he was a volley for me he worked 10 days with me before uh covet hit and then the next year my buddy at a program around the corner he actually just went to the state finals this year had in heights he was like hey i need a freshman coach i was like i got a guy <laughs> so i was able to get tyler a paid position that way so it's kind of it's kind of what i try and do like you know, if you come in here, hopefully I can make sure that I can use my connections to put you either in a better high school or even college. I have one question for you. I was looking at your schedule. You guys play three yeah. game sets. You played the same teams three or four times, huh? so
1: they're they've changed so we just finished up uh every four years they go through like this reclassification so they our governing body kind of like looks through and, and decides if they need to move schools from one classification to the next and then they rebuild the leagues around that and um For the last few years, we've had these schools that are a few hours away over the mountains in our league because they were just three schools that were big like ours, but they didn't have anyone close to them. Uh, But now they've added a fourth school, so they're kind of moving classifications. So now, as we look into uh, this upcoming season, the 2023 spring season, um, we'll be in a league just locally. So we'll just have our five local big high schools. And uh, so what they're going to do, and I'm really excited about it, is they're going to do... three game series each week so you know like the first week maybe we play mcnary all three games and then the next week you know play north salem all three games and we've never had that before and so uh when our ad was trying to kind of figure out like what the schedule should be like next year because he kind of helps run it i was like dude you got to do the three game series because how cool to be able to play the same team three games in a week and they have to Go against your top pitcher, and then your second tier pitcher, and then your third tier pitcher, and all your relief pitchers, you got to burn them all. Yeah, sure you have uh, deep I think you the are. strategy will be really fun. Like, yeah, and in in every year previous to this, it would be like, well, I'd play, you know, Sprague this Tuesday, and then I'll play him again next Tuesday, so I could kind of game my pitching staff to be prepared, so we could throw our number one guy both those days. And I'm really excited for next year because it's it's gonna be like my full roster. Your full roster. Let's see what happens. And it's, it's like, I am so pumped for it.
0: That's a, that's pretty cool. We have, how many games you end up playing? I saw you had some games like run until like July. Um, there's a couple that run into
1: like June. Um, we, we do, uh, um, you get 26 games. Uh, you can get a 27th if you do an endowment game where you like, take ticket prices and then give that money back to the governing body of ours of our <laughs> athletic association so it's kind of a weird little loophole so everybody usually ends up playing 27 games plus playoffs um and then you get you get a summer season if you want it but that's not really governed by the osaa so um do you get 27 games plus uh, playoffs which would be i guess if you won the state title you'd play five games okay
0: yeah we get 25 but we have like our schedule we have a conference and then you play each conference team twice but like you said we can spread them out, which Being at a small school with not a ton of arms, which has been my biggest problem, Um, which we actually we've seen a huge increase. I I created or at least tried to create a a practice system that we call phase one and uh, to get our team ERA down and stop depending on one or two horses. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if I got to play, you know, inside my conference, I have the team who won group group one the last two years and one group One, the full state group one this year. And then we have the group one runner up from the last two years with probably one of the best players in the state. So, you know, if I could, I had to play them in the same week this year and I was really trying to make sure that I could spread it out arm wise. And I'm sure you guys, I'm sure I have uh pitch counts and five day, like your day rest periods. Yeah. Um, So we, I like that three, the three game set would probably kill me though, as a team. (laughs) Well, that's what we all run into is, is pitching problems, but, uh, luckily
1: you have bigger, bigger schools. So we have, we have enough guys for it, but, um, yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm also, obviously there's also the the deeper nervous part of like, Oh, that means like our, you know, our third tier guys are going to have to pitch too. So there's that part of it, but I'm really excited. It'll be fun. And like you know the strategy part of it i'm also excited for too because you know how it is you you know you play a team and you got kind of get to see what they do and when they do it and how they do it and to be able to immediately turn around you know from a monday to okay now it's wednesday we're gonna play that same team again how can i kind of change things and counteract some of the stuff they're doing and then you see that and then okay now we get to play them again on friday and so i think it'll be really fun just like from the strategy part as a coach of like, okay, how do we structure practice? How do we change some of the things that maybe we focus on in practice based on what we saw? Because previously it'd be, you know, I'd play one team on a Monday and I'd play a totally different team on a Wednesday and then, you know, be a week or two before I saw that other team again. So I think the strategy part of it's pretty cool. I I wanted to ask you, because you had mentioned earlier, like scheduling. So obviously I'm, I'm not sure how you do it in New Jersey, but I know here there's the league schedule that's made up by our league and our ADs. But then obviously outside of that, we have like the non-league schedule where you can kind of go play whoever you want. And RAD kind of does it for us, but I kind of tell them each year like teams that I want to play and how difficult of a schedule I want to play. And I go back and forth with it every year, and I, I never really know what the answer is. You had mentioned that this year you guys played a really strong schedule and there's there's you know benefits and you know, maybe drawbacks to that too. Like when you look at each year, like how do you kind of go about figuring out like how strong of a schedule do I want to play? Like how difficult of a team do I want to face each
0: year? It is something that I think, I don't know if I'm ever going to find an answer that works. Uh, And (laughs) I'm really, really, really trying. Uh, This year, my my game plan for why we, we played such a hard schedule was, we lost. We lost our number one this year, and we lost a guy who platooned in right. Other than that, I had four underclassmen starting at all times. And my thoughts were: I am going to set the standard of who I want to play, or what I what level I want them to play at. Um, what level I want them to realize that they actually can compete at, because maybe they didn't feel like they could. Um, and then hopefully you know, next year we can really come back competitive. And, you know, one of our biggest problems is the weight room. My guys don't hit the weight room like they should. And I really wanted to light a fire under their butt. Seeing some bigger kids with better athletes, you know, know, we played against schools. I have 600 kids in my whole school. We're playing schools where they have one class with 600 kids. And, you know, we (laughs) lost 7-1. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We competed. Like we scattered six hits. You guys can hit that kid. Yes. He was 92 off the left side. We're fine. You can hit that. It's okay. Um, Years passed. I scheduled like my first year. I scheduled some games that I was hoping maybe we could win to get some like confidence under their belt. Then the next year when COVID hit probably would have been our best, my best year in my short career. Uh just because we returned everyone but one player. And the player who was coming in to fill the spot, he's actually our catcher, Eddie Bubb. Kid's a stud. Uh he was going to play second for us. He's just like he rushed for a thousand yards in football. Uh, you know, he's an all first team all conference catcher. He's just a good athlete. So he was gonna come in and play second, and he he plays like a puppy dog. Like he just runs all over the place chasing a ball. So that that year, I put us up against our schedule was everybody. Like, I, I, I don't want to have the reputation of being a small school that wins a lot of games because I play only small schools. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I don't, my, my coaching record is not like, I don't have an ego, so I don't care what my coaching record is. I want these, I want to, I want people to say that we challenged ourselves, that we played some of the tougher teams around and that, you know, can't count us out. Like, you know, and that's what I think, or I hope our reputation is starting to become. But yeah, our the way that we do our schedule, it sounds a lot like yours. My AD will ask me some target teams who I want to play. When do I want to play them? How many games a week do I want to play? Uh, she does our conference schedule and then our out-of-conference schedule. She kind of lets us, you know, if I have a buddy who texts me, I could text her and say, hey, can you contact so-and-so's mm-hmm. AD? You know, they have this date open. Looks good for me. I'm cool with it she won't schedule a game without me either. Like she'll always shoot me yeah. a text or a phone call.
1: Yeah, that's where we are. We uh, it, we tend to like front-load our schedule and try to play some really difficult teams and it, some years we'll we'll do really well, some years we won't, but I I I go back and forth on it, but I feel like playing the most talented teams i can find early on is really good for our guys because it kind of sets the tone like you said like maybe we do maybe we do well even if we lose maybe we do well and you can use that of like look yeah like you said he throws 92 but so what we can we can still hit him so it gives them a little confidence i also like it as like a test of just showing them okay you know we played this team you know lost 8-0 they're going to be one of the top teams in the state this year that's the That's the mark. That's what we're trying to get to. And that's what we need to surpass at some point this year. And it kind of sets the tone for them to understand that, you know, when you get into off season and the training stuff, you can get really stuck in your own world where you're not really competing outside of your own
0: group. Right.
1: And, and I think getting out of that and seeing some difficult teams and understanding, Oh, geez. Okay. We we still have work to do. Um, I don't know. I think that's really healthy for kids, but then I also try to balance it with the other part of like, yeah, but you know, you can't just lose all the time. You need to you oh. need to experience some success too. Right. And yeah. I think like you mentioned earlier there's a way to find success even in failures. And so I I just go back and forth all the time of like how strong of a schedule should I play or I don't know. I that's, I tend to just mix it all up a bit. That's but.
0: interesting you front-loaded it cuz this year I kind of backloaded it to prepare yeah for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um and we do our I, I mean I'll sprinkle I'll sprinkle some of the bigger schools before our playoff cutoff day because we do a PowerPoint system um, for for playoff rankings. And you get uh three point if you win, you get three points for whatever for how many of her wins the other team has in their first 15 games. You get a point mm. per group uh for the win, and uh you get six points for the win. So that kind of will give you your t- total. But if you lose you get one point per loss for their first 15 games besides your loss. So like some of the, some losses I had stayed on my PowerPoint board over some wins that I had, because some of the teams we won were really weak Mm -hmm. or some that we had beaten were were weak. And it's like, uh, when do we, like, when do we do it? I, this year, I think I kind of, I bookended us. I gave us an extremely hard schedule, like I said. Half of our losses through teams who won South Jersey or played in the South Jersey final. And we have some pretty good competitive baseball around here. I mean, group one, group two level. You figure group one, you got Jarrett Pokrowski who's going to Penn. I mean, this kid, he was a freak. Like, he's got 10 to 15. He's got, I think he had 12 homers. He had 150-something <laughs> hits in three years. Every, every team Crazy. has a guy. Like even group one, group two, every team has a guy in the upper 80s, you know, with a couple of pitches that they can throw. So it gets gets really really competitive, even at the smaller groups. Like group two around us is very strong. Um, so it's it's tough. I, I don't I haven't figured it out yet this year. I backloaded it a little bit though, so that we could see better pitching before the playoffs, and I don't know if it helped or hurt, but it was. I think I made our schedule a little too tough
1: so uh, it's funny you mentioned that because we um we, so similar here we we do they call them power rankings but it's all this deep you know some sort of giant algebraic formula i've looked at it once and it's too too crazy for me to understand but the basic premise is kind of really simple right you teams who have a lot of wins and you play them you know that's worth a lot and if they don't it's not worth a lot and so there's one year a couple of years ago where we were ranked i think second in the state heading into the last day and on the last day we had scheduled uh, a team that wasn't very good they were ranked they were on the lowest ranked teams it was our senior night uh celebratory and the game ends we, we won it was this easy game sort of a deal but um uh, just by playing that team our ranking dropped like three spots so then all of a sudden from we went from being ranked second getting into the playoffs to rank fifth and we're like oh and so just that i'm just like why did we do that right like, oh my god but then the other part of me is like well I don't know. You gave the kids a cool senior night. You're able to play some kids who don't normally get to start. Like that was a great experience for them. They walked away happy. Like that was all good. Then the other part of me is like, but did that prepare them for the playoffs? Like we faced a really easy team. Like you're saying, like, oh my God. So just like, do I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> uh, we do have a cutoff, but they changed it um, a couple years ago to now where it's really weird. You don't get um, the cutoff happens on a Friday. And then the following Monday, playoffs start. And uh, it used to be you'd cut off like on a Friday, and then you'd have three or four days before playoff starts where you could schedule in those teams that don't count against your rankings. And they got rid of
0: that. Huh. We so our yeah our cutoff this year was May twenty first, and playoffs were May or June June first, whatever that Wednesday was. So we have yeah. they always give us like two weeks to kind of stay in limbo. But they also pick your best 15 by the cutoff. Mm, um, gotcha. And they started doing that right after COVID. And I think it was because, you know, if a team got shut down right. like, and they didn't get an opportunity to play, like, should that be held against them for following protocol? No, it shouldn't. So they, they limited the games because it used to be like, May first, like halfway through the season, was the playoff cutoff. Um, but they changed it deeper. But your best fifteen games. Uh, so gotcha. it's I don't know, it it is one of those things that when you when you coach and not manage, you don't realize all the things that go behind managing a ball club.
1: <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. This and this is just one tiny little part of the whole thing. Hey, right. uh, it, 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 it's, it's crazy. It's funny hearing like all the, the like and how different it is from like state to state too. Uh, and so you know what it takes for you to like manage this one little part in New Jersey is is so different and and kind of different, like conceptually crazy compared to how we do it in Oregon and vice versa. Like it's just. Man, it's just bizarre the way the way being a a head coach
0: actually plays out. uh, My buddy was the interim guy at Penn State Abington, and he was doing like the fall, like in the fall, he's doing like fundraising and setting up their spring trip and stuff. And he's like, dude, I don't know if I want to manage. I'm like, it is not as much coaching as there is managing. It's kind of a pain.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, it's funny that when you become a head coach, you're, you coach far less than, uh, you know, guys try to put a percentage on it of like how much coaching it actually is. And it's like, I don't know, 10, five, somewhere in there. It's just, there's so much other stuff that goes into it, but I don't know, makes it all worth it. And, um, I, you know, from that, that same article that I mentioned at the start of kind of the podcast or the show or our conversation, um, uh, it was, it was right at the end of your first year. And one of your players at the time, um, said that, you know, the team obviously experienced a big turnaround, a big culture shift. Uh, And he said uh, it was, quote, he said it was because of you. And he said, he, quote, he changed the whole environment. He made everyone want to play and want to compete and be the best. And, you know, obviously then just having this conversation with you and hearing all the ways you're impacting not only players, but like the town, like we talked about, and and just the culture of the area is really cool and inspiring to hear. Uh, And so I just, just thank you for all the work that you're doing, because like you said, being a high school coach is so much more than just getting to go out and coach. Like a lot of people might think who are outside of it. So I just want to say thank you for that. Um, And I hope you keep up the awesome work over there and and enjoy it and have a great time with your family as well. Um, So kind of before I let you go, I don't know if there's any last things you want to say, people you want to shout out, anything that maybe we missed, but just kind of hand the mic over to you uh, one last time.
0: Uh, No, I wanted to thank you for like the platform to be able to, you know, talk about our school and what we have going on in the town and kind of all the hard work that everyone's put in. Like my, uh, you know, t- to shout out, I guess my, my varsity assistant Stutz, uh, he was on the staff that was struggling. And when I came in, I was like, I'd like to keep him on cause he's a teacher in the school. And his transition from where he was to now is also super cool to see. Um, and the, those guys at the school have been so supportive everyone in town supportive and even like people outside of you know the kids that i coach and travel and stuff like that like they'll stay up with me on you know oh hey dude huge win yesterday thanks buddy and i'm sure you guys have the same system up there um i'm sure you talk to a lot of your high school coaches and i'm sure you have like one that you bounce more stuff off of and you know one that you you know that you're probably you know good close friends with and you guys are like what do we do with this what do we do with that and (laughs) um, <laughs> yep, it's been so. It's been great. It's I'm I'm ble- I, I'm very blessed to have been able to do what I've done. Um, but I appreciate you, you know, having me on here to talk about it because, you know, heck, we didn't even talk any baseball. We just, you know, we talked more more culture, which I know was was the point of it. Uh, but you know, I look forward to talking or texting or DMing with you in the future too. Just uh, keep up with you guys, and if you want, I'm always down for a hat trade. So if you want to hit me up on oh, the side yeah, absolutely. We'll uh we'll trade off some hats. Deal.
1: I, I it's funny you say that. I actually uh when covid happened, I I found myself with an abundance of hats. <laughs> <laughs> and so I uh, I put it out on Twitter and ended up trading hats with I think like 44 other high school programs from around the country. And then I finally had to stop doing it. This is all in like a month or a month and a half. I had to stop doing it because the (laughs) the shipping costs of shipping out all these hats got so expensive, but it's been a few years. So I
0: would love uh, to to trade hats with you and make it happen. I love a good hat trade. It's always, you know, and it's always cool to see, uh, you know, how you are so far away. Like I'm looking at you guys playing summer ball. We don't, we don't do that around here. There's so many travel programs and we have, uh, you know, you were talking about playing a school over top of the mountain a couple hours away. We have like 50 high schools within 30 geographic miles around here. Like it's crazy. Um, It is crazy. You know, it's, I mean, it might take us 45 minutes to get there an hour or whatever, but there's so many high schools with such good baseball, but it, and it's funny to hear you know, how conferences are set up, like you're saying, you're in the city, but, you know, maybe you had to travel, you know, like, I don't know, what's, what's maybe. it like to travel four, three hours to go play a single game? That's not a playoff game. That's gotta be hard to keep the boys together.
1: Yeah, it's weird. It's really bizarre. It's very strange. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I try not to complain about it. Cause I know we have some other smaller schools that like an hour and a half or two hours is their shortest trip, <sighs> but Man, yeah, it was it was weird for us. Like, because normally we're going five minutes, you know, <laughs> ten minutes across town, and all of a sudden now we're getting out of school, you know, five hours early to make this drive and go play a game. Uh, it's
0: it was different. It was bizarre. It's got to be hard to keep the boys focused. I know if we even like if our bus is ten minutes late, my guys are like, "Why is it late? We're we gonna be there on time. What's this?" And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. just... the the focus level yeah. of high school kids is always in limbo I feel like that's a fun one to manage for sure <laughs> but uh yeah again thanks for having <laughs> us on um or having me on and hopefully some of the people you know listening get to know a little bit more about what we have going on here and um you know hopefully I get to talk to you again in the future on here maybe I get to tell you I want to state title or something but
1: yeah, that'd be good. Until then, we'll be trying. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, uh, Greg, appreciate it. Uh, Overbrook fan now. I and uh, I that. wish you guys the best
0: heading into the off season. Yep. All right, cool. Well, thank you again, and good luck. Have uh, you, you got summer ball tonight? Uh, nope, not tonight. Got the day off. Nice, nice, nice. Well, enjoy the rest of your summer Great. season and have fun. With, uh, you have one son, right? Yep. Nice. I'll have fun. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your summer, and thanks again.
1: <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. Greg is a beast doing what beasts do, and I can't thank him enough for jumping on the call with me and sharing some of the great things he's doing out there in Northeast New Jersey. So far away, and yet, thanks to the microphone, to the headphones, to the internet, here we all all connected, all trying to get better, and I can't thank Greg enough for being part of that project. If you aren't signed up for the weekly newsletter, or if you haven't picked up some High School Coaches Club stickers, you should definitely do so. Head on over to highschoolcoachesclub.com to get started. Don't forget to leave a rating or a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Most importantly, though, if you found any value at all from this episode, and obviously you did because Greg was awesome, or any previous episode, please share it on social media, uh, over email, uh, or through the old-fashioned word of mouth. It doesn't matter how you do it. Just find a way to bring a few more listeners in who might benefit. That's how we all get better. and That's how we keep growing this club. Huge fist bump to Coach Hines for jumping on the call with me. Thanks again to Netting Pros for sponsoring the episode and to you, of course, for clicking that play button. If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you. Follow the club on social media Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at HS Coaches Club. You can follow me on Twitter, at Mr. Max Price, and can reach me via email, Max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. All right, that's it. That's all I got. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for all you do. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you.